Hi. Today is May ninth, twenty nineteen. Welcome to another episode of the Silk and Steel. I am your host Carl Za, and today we are broadcasting all the way from People's Republic of China in my dad's hometown, Hainan, Zhejiang. Uh, some of you who have been following me on social media, whether Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, would have known that I have been in China for a month.、Um, I traveled all over,、uh, from all the way from southwest frontier land bordering Myanmar to the eastern seaboard city that I am now in. Um, so I decided that today we're gonna do a special episode.、Uh, normally,、um, the show is me talking with someone else, usually a guest, and today I will, <laughs> for the first time, do a solo monologue because、uh, I will be talking about my family history. Uh, this uh, this comes about because I recently took a trip with my family. To the ancest ancestral home of the Za clan, and、uh, we uh, it was it was my basically the brood of my grandfather. So it's my dad, his three brothers, and and his sister, and me.、Uh, we visited the Za、uh, ancestral temple. It was quite a trip because.、Um, My the Zak clan have been living in my dad's hometown for、um, for the almost seven、uh, hundred years past. But prior to that,、uh, they migrated from a different area in China. In fact,、uh, it was about、uh, I think it was about six hours、um, away. By driving, and that's the trip we did.、Uh, and I, th- th- there's so many things I have seen in China. I mean,、uh, I've seen quite a bit, and I see a lot of changes. But I like it to start with my family history because it's it's more personal, and、uh, it, it and it also reaches quite far back in history because、uh, you know our the the Za family history have been. Pretty well documented for last thousand years.、Um, I mean, according to our genealogy book, it is stretched out even further、uh, to last two thousand years. But I, I have my doubts about that.、Uh, <laughs> but you know, the, but we do have documented、uh, Chinese historical sources,、uh, the, the official Chinese annals that、uh, at least supports. The Za family history up to a thousand years. So I, I like to start from there.、Um, so one of the first recorded Za in official Chinese history、uh, dates from about year eight eighty five. That is the last days. Of the Tang Dynasty, one of the greatest empire、uh, China has has ever seen,、uh, but by by 
late ninth century, uh, the Tang Empire has fallen into decline. Um, if uh, some of you perhaps have heard me talking a little bit about Tang Dynasty history on the friend of show Radio Walnut, uh, where I talk about the uh, the Tang Dynasty uh, collapse, the, the 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 pivotal event that caused the collapse of Tang Empire, the An Lushan Rebellion. Uh, An Lushan Rebellion happened in 755, uh, but the, you know, the Tang did not collapse right away. It was more a slow decay and it was falling apart into uh, a, a period of uh, warlordism. And, and and the dynasty lingered on for another <laughs> for, for for more than a hundred years until until nine hundred. So, uh, but by by eight eighty five, it has already seen better days, and that's when uh, the first known Za ancestor in Chi official Chinese history was born. And he born into a very chaotic times um, when the central imperial authority was collapsing. Uh, there was rebellion throughout the land. Uh, basically, warlords uh, carved out their own fiefdoms throughout the empire, and soon the you know the Tang Dynasty would officially end in uh, in in around nine hundred. And uh, all of China uh, fall officially falls into um, what's known as Wu uh, Dai or the Five Dynasty Ten Kingdoms period. And one of the uh, so the, the the Five Dynasty referred to five. Um, dynasty who claimed imperial authority and are based in northern China, and the ten kingdoms are the ten various uh, kingdoms established uh, in various localities, and one of them was a very powerful uh, southern Tang, southern Tang kingdom. Uh, established in the lower reach of the Yangtze Delta region. Uh, so the, the Yangtze Delta is, uh, at around this time, was becoming more and more prominent in China. Eventually, uh, after this time, uh, you know, Yang, first of all, Yangtze Delta is the uh, area around Shanghai, um, Hangzhou, Nanjing, uh, around the around the area where the Yangtze River of China rush out to sea. And the land is incredibly fertile. Uh, it's crisscrossed with canals, which facilitated transport. Uh, and, you know, in the age before motorized transport, um, canals was very useful because, you know, water, water transport can get you pretty reliably uh, uh, fast and also uh, uh, was a safer way of traveling. 
um, because just because normally in in the canals you it's uh, it's a lot better police than say some mountain roads where you are liable to uh, fall prey to bandits and brigands and and the Yangtze Delta uh, region was not always the core region of China um, but starting from uh, starting from the Three Kingdoms period, some of you are, would already know Three Kingdoms period was uh, after the fall of Han Dynasty. Um, the uh, one of the founder of the uh, one of the Three Kingdoms, the Kingdom of Wu, Sun Quan, he developed uh, the area in so-called Southland in Three Kingdom in the in the Romance of Three Kingdoms. The, the kingdom of Wu, he, he became developed that area economically. That's when the region started to take off, and by late Tang Dynasty, the region has undoubtedly been um, the the economic center of China. The, the reason being, uh, other than the other than the extensive canal systems. It's also because it's an area of a major rice-growing region in China. Uh, rice originally, uh, more than 8,000 years ago, was first planted in the lower Yangtze Delta area. Uh, you know, the, the, the Chinese, what we think of as a classic Chinese culture came from the north, from the Yellow River uh, Valley. Where uh, you know they the people eat millets and various other grains. They they didn't start out eating rice. So so rice has always been a staple of the South, and it started in the Lower Yangtze Delta region. Uh, but by late Tang Dynasty, the region of Lower Yangtze Delta has really taken off economically. One of the reason is the North. China has just been so devastated ever since the Three Kingdoms period by uh, by many periods of rebellion, uh, then barbarian invasions, uh, civil war, and especially during Tang Dynasty in the aftermath of Anlusan rebellions, all the all the big vicious battles took place in the North China plains. Whereas in the south, in the Yangtze Valley, it's pretty uh, much shielded from the conflict. So the so a lot of the uh, refugees who are running away from wars and famine in the north came to settle down in the south, and um, you know they brought with them capital, knowledge, uh, new 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 technologies. Um, and the South just economically took off and really, um, you know, has become the new center of the Chinese economic activity and, and Chinese uh, center of Chinese culture and, and civilization for the next thousand years. Until today, you know, even today, Shanghai, Hangzhou are still one of the top tier Chinese cities. Um, the place I'm living right now, my dad's hometown of Hainin, it's a, it's almost like a suburb of Hangzhou now. 
uh, because the city of Hangzhou has expanded out so much. Uh, they're they're building a new light rail uh, system that which will be completed in a couple of years, um, which will enable, uh, which basically shorten the travel to forty minutes from Hainan to uh, to city of Hangzhou. Uh, you know, you basically. Uh, you know, effectively, Hainan will become a suburb of Hangzhou. You can literally just live in Hainan and commute to work in Hangzhou by by light rail, um, and which is having the added effect of raising home prices <laughs> over here and uh, um, basically make the region much much nicer. Uh, but I, I I'm I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm I'm still. I'm supposed to be talking about ancient history here, and especially the Tsar history. So back in uh, the year 900, the, the Tang Dynasty is finally on its last leg. Uh, by 907, that's when the last, uh, the reign of the last Tang Emperor finally ended. And one of the ambitious warlord in the south, uh, he actually changed his last name to the imperial surname of Li, um, and he founded his kingdom of Southern Tang. So he's basically claiming the legitimacy of the old Tang, Tang dynasty um, and making himself like the heir. Uh, so he to distinguish his uh, polity from the previous Tang Empire, historian call it the Southern Tang, and the South. Uh, and in contrast to the previous Tang Dynasty, the Southern Tang is based in the south. It, it has its capital in what would be today's Nanjing, and and so this is a uh, uh, it's it's firmly rooted in the south. As I talked before. You know, southern China has largely been spared the ravage of war, so it's it's already economic uh, economic powerhouse, and and he took this time uh, while other warlords are busy in the north fighting. There's also the Huangcao Rebellion, which devastated a, a huge swath of China. Um, so he established his own dynasty in the south. He's not the Za ancestor because he changed his surname to Li, but he did um, appoint the first known Za ancestor in history, Za Wenhui, to his court, and Za Wenhui rose to a very prominent position in the Southern Tang. So, according to the, our family genealogy. Um, you know, Za clan supposedly, you know, descend from very illustrious lineage. You know, back dates back to two thousand years ago. Um, and that that's a version I I grew up with, and I I, I before before I never really questioned it <laughs> until more recent internet age. Um, the reason is that. You know, by back in the Song Dynasty or the the period immediately following the Southern Tang, um, at that at that time there was a compilation of all the uh, of one hundred common Chinese surnames, right? And it's called Bai Jia Xing. 
literally hundred surnames. And Sa the Sa family name was listed as well as its origin. At that time, um, the origin of Sa was uh, listed as saying it was descended from the the um, from the house of Chu. The, the Chu. Um, the, this is the state of Chu from the Warring States period in China, or, or even further back from the Spring Autumn period. And we're talking about like the time of Confucius, right? Um, so Chu was a was a very ancient kingdom rooted in the Chinese South, and it was a very very powerful um, kingdom for a long time. And uh, you know, it was one of the contenders for for. Uh, to unify China, in fact, but eventually was defeated by the state of Qin when the first emperor Qin Shi Huangdi uh, had his army conquer Chu and uh, and unify all of China. So that was a version of history I was grew up with. Uh, with the according to Song Dynasty um, compilation of hundred family names. The clan of Za originally descended from a, a cadet branch of the royal house of Chu. So supposedly, when uh, when uh, so so the Chu's center of power is not actually in the lower Yangtze Delta. Uh, you know, it's in the Yangtze Valley, but it's in, more in the center of Yangtze Valley rather than the. Lower Yangtze Delta. Lower Yangtze Delta was populated by other two kingdoms. One, uh, king, the ancient state of Wu, Wu and the ancient state of Yue. I'm going to try to uh, um, get a map for you guys who are not familiar <laughs> with this part of Chinese history. So you have a better visual aid to, to what I'm talking about. Um, but make a story short, Chu was very aggressive in, in expanding its territory, and eventually he annexed uh, the state of Yue, which previously just um, conquered the state of Wu. So, so Chu had conquered basically the entire Yangtze Valley from, uh, you know, from from the midstream all the way <laughs> to where you, you reach out to sea. And the story goes that um, Chu enfeeved one of its younger son at the newly conquered Yue territory in the lower Yangtze Delta region. And uh, the, this, uh, this new, um, this, this, uh, this, this, this prince of Chu took his uh, a new family name from his uh, holding, which is Za, right? So that's supposedly how Za family came from. And according to this version of history, the Za family has been in the lower Yangtze Delta for well over two millennium. I mean, like that's, uh, it goes way back. Right, and and it goes back to one of the noble Chinese houses before unification. Now, um, but when we get to uh, uh, like Song Dynasty written sources, um, especially one of the uh, by one of the um, uh, famous Chinese poet Lu Yu, uh, 
he's a he's a he was one of those poets slash Mandarin scholars, uh, Mandarin scholar officials, right? He he also uh, not only he was an administrator of the Southern Song Dynasty, but he was also a very gifted poet and historian. He wrote the history of, uh, for example, the history of Nantang. Uh, uh, the, the, about the period previous to Song Dynasty. And in, in that book, he wrote about one of the prominent person of the Southern Tang, which is the first Za ancestor to enter history, Za Wenhui, which we have already talked about. And according to his version, he said that the Za have not been known in history pr prior to this. And uh, I, I, you know, this is official Chinese history here. This is official Chinese annal. So I take his words to be kosher. And, and I did some research on my own. I did not, fi I, I, I did not find um, yet <laughs> any mention of any prominent Za members in official Chinese history prior to this. So as far as we know, Za Wenhui is the first one that was recorded in the official Chinese history, right? Not the family genealogy, which can be <laughs> fabricated <laughs> at a later date. Um, <laughs> Uh, th there's another reason I have my doubts about uh, the Tsar family stretching back 2,000 years is because um, in the day of the internet age, uh, you know, there, there are various Tsar clans all over China. They're kind of pulling together their sources of their own genealogy, right? They're starting to compare notes. And that's when we realize, oh, wait a minute. Okay, so the claim to the house of Chu uh, in <laughs> in southern China, uh, but then there's also a claim to the rival house of Qi in northern China. So in, in there's a there's a branch of Za family in Shandong, right? They they claim descent from um, from the Duke of Qi, also from the you know spring and autumn period. To the time of Confucius, right, um, and then the, there's another Za family in another part of Shandong Province, in the uh, you know the more southwest part of Shandong Province that used to be part of state of Lu, and they claim their uh, the, their Za is de descended from the House of Lu, right, and nowadays. All the top just pretty much agree that all of them they they must descend from the house of Lu, right? And uh, I think there's a reason for that because house of Lu, um, Lu of course is a state where Confucius come from, right? So there is a special prestige factor attached already, and uh, state of Lu is uh, come is part of the house of G, which is uh, the ruling um, <laughs> ruling house of Zhou dynasty, which nominally back then was still the sovereign of all, all various Chinese states. 
Um, so, so the, when the Zhou, Zhou Dynasty was first established, one of the younger brother, one of the son of the younger brother, got dispatched to to found State of Lu, and the, the State of Lu has has a very special relationship with the Zhou Dynasty royal house. Um, you know that's why you you also uh, find Confucius to be a very uh, uh, basically a Zhou Dynasty loyalist, <laughs> and and. Uh, and, and and basically, um, you know, so all this modern Zha family decided, okay, their their claim of royal descent from the various rival royal houses were not blue blood enough. They must claim that they descend from uh from the royal house of Lu because that will tie them to the royal house of Zhou Dynasty, <laughs> one of the one of the uh earliest dynasty in China, right, where the classical Chinese civilization began. Um, so I, I, I don't, anyway, I don't put too much stock in family genealogy beyond a certain point. Uh, most of them are pretty good for up to like, say, last 600 years. Um, beyond that, it became a bit dubious. For uh, the Zha family case, we can actually go back beyond 600 years to a thousand years because you know we actually have people who got uh, who made made their name into the official Chinese annals but beyond that I don't know I really can't say I, I think Lu Yu is right we don't you know Zhao family was not known in history <laughs> prior to to Tang Dynasty um, so let's let's go with official Chinese sources and let's go with the uh, the first Zha ancestor that entered the official Chinese history annals. So Zha Wenhui he won the the trust of the founder of Southern Tang uh, in with capital in Nanjing. Now this is a time when. Uh, various factions in China were fighting for control, and and the the Southern Tang uh, they had the um, they had the advantage of geography because they hold the you know the Yangtze River as as kind of a impassable barrier, and and to its south uh, there are much weaker states who you know does not really match its power. So first the, uh, the Southern Tang expanded into um, the, another kingdom of Chu, which is in, in the, today's Hunan province, where, where Mao came from. And another military adventure uh, it got itself into was into Hujian, at the, the time called Min, kingdom of Min. Which map roughly mapped to the current province of Fujian, uh, which is most uh, where most people from Taiwan came from originally. Um, you know, yeah, it has different. Sometimes had different romanizations. Uh, you know, Fujian is a uh, its pronunciation in modern standard Mandarin. Uh, there's some call it Hokkien. Uh, there's different names, but at the time it was known as Ming. And it so happened the Ming Kingdom f 
falls into a succession crisis. Uh, two brothers were fighting for the throne, and this is where and one brother was killed as a result. So the Southern Tang rulers um, felt the, the time to strike is now. And he sent in his trusted general, who is none other than the first Zha ancestor to make into official Chinese history, Zha Wenhui, to lead a Southern Tang army into Fujian to capture the province. And, uh, you know, so Southern Tang being a much bigger kingdom and with more, um, with more troops, it quickly made its way. And on top of that, uh, Zha Wenhui has an old childhood friend who is serving, who is serving Yinming in Fujian court. And he decided to defect and, and you know, he, he welcomed his old buddy's advance. Uh, so that made things easier. But um, it, it wasn't it wasn't a cakewalk, right? There, you know, people <laughs> on one hand, people were tired of the kind of the civil war was going on down there. So they did welcome the Southern Tang army to come in. But on the other hand, the um, the you know the, the the Southern Tang army behaved like a conquering army. You know, started to pillage, loot, so so very quickly turned the popular opinions against them. And they were able to initially they had some success. They were able to take about half of the province, and very soon the only only one major city, city of Fuzhou, which is today's um, Fujian's capital, was still in the hands of, uh, of one of the faction in the old Ming Kingdom. And, but this, the, the general holding Fuzhou, instead of surrendering to my ancestor, he decided to surrender the city to another neighboring rival kingdom of Wu Yue. Now, Wuyue is based largely in uh, today, would map to today's Zhejiang province. So based in Hangzhou. In fact, the Wuyue capital was in Hangzhou. And, uh, and so it was just right next door to Fujian. Uh, so they, they send in their own reinforcement coming down to the mountain passes and, uh, and, and took Food, accepted Fujian as their new territory. So, of course, uh, Zha Wenhui was not very happy with this. Um, he led his army to besiege this new, this last stronghold, Fuzhou. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the defending general was very crafty. Um, so they feigned defeat and, uh, the, you know, it looks like everything was going well for the Southern Tang forces. Uh, they defeated the, ar the, the, the defending army outside the city gate. Uh, they made a rush for the city gate. They made into the city with uh, <laughs> my ancestor, Zha Wenhui, leading the charge. But as soon as they made into the city door, uh, did they realize it was actually a trap. Um, so they... The, the defenders purposely uh, 
um, set a trap to allow the the attacking enemies to come inside the city. And once they made it in, they fell into an ambush, and uh, and the the commanding general Zha Wenhui, <laughs> the Zha ancestor, was captured, and he was cap. You know, as a very important prize, he was sent immediately to the capital of Wu Yue Kingdom, the new boss, and uh, in Hangzhou, uh, because he was a very important uh, official in in southern Tang court so the, the the ruler of southern Tang actually um, sent many fine horses to Wuyue as ransom to get him back uh, but before he was sent back according to the history by Luyo he was uh, he was poisoned he was a slow acting poison um, I don't know why would they would do that but this was recorded in the Official Chinese annals, so I'm going to go with that. So according to Lu Yu's Lan Tang Su or the Book of Southern Tang, when Zha Wenhui was ransomed back, um, they, you know, he was, they, they, they realized he was already being poisoned. There were some some symptoms that was showing. I think they look at his tongue, you know, doing all the Chinese uh, traditional Chinese medicine way of doing checkup and and the the doctor told him oh well okay we, we, you know you have been you have been dosed with a slow acting poison we can save your life but it's only going to prolong your life for additional 10 years um and that was it after 10 years he died he died from either war wounds or the slow acting poison but very uh, you know but southern tongue kingdom didn't last that long either because very soon uh the song dynasty uh that was based in north um started to expand and swallow up all the various splinter kingdoms and reestablished sort of of a reunification of china which would last for hundreds of years and uh but uh, Zha Wenhui, because he was such an important official his brother his sons they they were all they all became um very important mandarin in southern tang core so when southern tang surrendered to song dynasty um the Zha family they still kept their very prestigious position they, they became uh the Zha clan became very prominent under the Song Dynasty, many of them, um, uh, so the the grandson of uh, of Zha Wenhui, Zha Dao, was uh, was an uh, was another prominent Mandarin in the Song Dynasty court. He he made he made uh, he made friends with you know other famous Chinese Mandarin scholars like uh, scholar official like Ouyang Xiu many chinese poets they actually wrote poems about him um so you know you don't you don't that, that's pretty i thought that was pretty cool you don't get uh <laughs> you, 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 it's not every day you have some famous chinese poets writing poems about your ancestors um but the 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 Zha, uh the glory of the Zha family um came to uh 
uh, interrupted when when the Mongol invasion started. Um, so, so this you know this is we're we're jumping ahead in in a few hundred years now. You know we went from uh, the period. Uh, we're going from the 10th century, right, <laughs> the early 900s, all the way to now to um, uh, the, the the grand when the grandson of Genghis Khan, Kublai Khan, conquered all of China, and and it was not a quick process because um, you know the, the Genghis Khan did not conquer all of China. Genghis Khan didn't even conquer. Uh, much of northern China. What he uh, did accomplish was sacking Beijing, right? And then was the capital of the Jin Dynasty, established by uh, another invading barbarian, the Jurchens. And and uh, you know, the, 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 during Genghis Khan's time, the Mongols uh, didn't come to rule. They came to uh, pretty much raid and pillage. And that's why they sacked Beijing pretty thoroughly because they, they didn't expect to rule over Beijing. They they were more interested to um, uh, you know to get its treasures and and get all the men and women uh, to come back to Mongolia as slaves. But by the um, by the time it took uh, it took Genghis Khan um, Ogdai uh, to pacify northern China. And then it took almost another 50 years uh, for Mongols to finally overcome the Southern Song Dynasty in Southern China. That's where Kublai came, came um, you know, he, he took, took up quite some time to finally subdue Southern Song Dynasty. One of the reason is, uh, you know, the Southern Song Dynasty, it's protected by the Yangtze River, uh, right? It's, uh, and, and the, the Mongols they had to learn naval warfare before they can cross the Yangtze because the you know it, it just took them that long to to get used to how to operate uh, <laughs> in naval warfare. Yangtze is a pretty big river. Um, at some section of the Yangtze River near Nanjing and Shanghai, they you know the, the, the river is so so wide you can almost not see the other side. Um, and when the Mongols finally conquered all of China, uh, they did a very unpopular thing. Is uh, you know they, they abolish um, they abolish a system that had been established under Tang Dynasty, which is a imperial civil exam system, which allowed um, any learned scholars to pass a series of tests and to become, so basically uh, it's a civil service exam, right? So after you pass the imperial exam, you are eligible to be a Mandarin scholar official. You, you, you get posted to various uh, uh, locality in the empire to act as the magistrate, the mayor, uh, eventually governor, you know, going up the ranks. And uh, uh, for, <laughs> for the reason that's uh, to, for the reasons I cannot get into because it's too complex for this episode. Let's just uh, say that the Mongol abolished the system 
which um, ended uh, the career path for a lot of these Chinese literatis and the, the, the Chinese elite. Because that you know, the examining system was a examination system was a, was a way for many of them to get into the imperial bureaucracy, and and you know the Tsar, especially the Tsar family, because they were so prominent during the Song Dynasty, um, they kind of uh, uh, they kind of lay low for a while <laughs> during the Mongol rule. In fact, there's a there's a story of a different um, clan, the Xiang clan, that settled in the Cantonese area in Guangdong around the time of Mongol invasion. Um, the, the name that their, their, their family name is written, Xiang, which in Chinese means fragrant. Um, it's close to the way Za is written, except uh, the, the couple of strokes were taken off and, and placed in different places. So, so their their legend, their family legend, is that you know their Za ancestor, being a very important Song Dynasty official, that they ran from uh, from the Mongol invasion force and they escaped south to to Guangdong, and and when at the last when you know the looks like the Song Dynasty was about to fall. Being a Song loyalist, they were being hunted down, so, so able to disguise themselves, they, they, they had to change their family name from Za to Xiang, and they did that by you know, taking off the, 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 the last uh, bottom horizontal stroke of Za and place it on the top. You know, as a way to still honoring their original ancestor, um, but <laughs> for practical purposes, they have to change their surname. So Za and Shang is derived from the same family. That is their, you know, their their family history, and that's accepted by the the, the Za clan, by the way. So this just uh, give you the idea that the the kind of the pressure that Za clan was under. In during the Mongol rule, um, and but this period is proved to be brief, just like the Mongol rule of southern China. It didn't last more than a hundred years. And I will be back. That was a forty minutes plus preview of a special ep- silk and steel podcast episode on the Za family history. Um, so I managed to um, start from the very beginning and got to the time of the Mongol conquest. Uh, but the Za family would not reach its prominence until afterwards and, and very soon. Um, so if you're interested, <laughs> please subscribe because the rest of the content will be available to our premium subscribers. And as I mentioned, um, I am updating my Twitter and Facebook and Instagram with my travel in China. Um, so I post a lot of videos, uh, images, my thoughts. Um, I, I do plan to um, do a, a special episode on on my, my Chinese travels because I, you know, 
there's a saying uh, in, in Chinese that, uh, well, I don't know if it's Chinese saying, it's uh, seeing is believing, right, basically. So, <laughs> so like a lot of the things, you know, you, 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 you hear about China through various sources, but when you are actually on the ground and experiencing it, feeling it, um, many cases smelling it, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's a quite different experience. Um, it, it certainly opened my eyes, and uh, it, it, I've seen some very dramatic changes since my last visit in China in 2010, which is nine years ago. Um, and, and, you know, every time, uh, you know, I, I've been to China, I've been back to China basically um, every 10-year uh, intervals. I left China in 1990. I came back for a visit in 2001. And my last visit was 2010. Um, so every 10 years that I come back, I just see some very drastic changes, many times improvements. Um, those, those things were rarely re reported in, in media back home in the U.S. Um, so I hope to, uh, hope to bring some new perspective. Uh, follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Carl Za, just my name in one word. So uh, the Carl is spelled with a C, C A R L. My last name Z H A, Z as in zebra, H as in Henry, A as in apple. Um, or you can find me on Facebook. Just search for Carl Za. Or um, uh, I am also on Instagram. <laughs> I uh, so my my Instagram handle is Shaka Za Shaka like Shaka Zulu and then my last name Za Z H A. Uh, follow me there. Um, see my travels and please subscribe. We do have a Patreon page. Uh, just go to www.patreon.com slash silk. Letter N like Nancy Steel Silk and Steel, or you just go to uh, Patreon.com and in the search box type Silk. The first result should be the Silk and Steel podcast by Carl Za. Uh, all again, all our pre uh, premium content will be hosted there. Um, the free content will still be available on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Podbean. Um, but the premium content will only be hosted on our Patreon um, for our patrons. And for only monthly subscription of $5, you will have all our monthly premium content. So please subscribe. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.